Your dad has difficulty moving around, so you bring him groceries every week. One day, he complains of pain, and you find several open wounds. So you Google it. They're bed sores. You find a list of items to purchase at the store and do your best to care for your dad. Then one day, someone says the words home health care, and you have no idea what they're talking about. I'm your host, Valerie Lynn, and that someone was me. That family was my client. And this episode, we are talking about senior living terminology. Welcome to Desperately Seeking Senior Living, a podcast for sons, daughters, grandkids, and spouses who suddenly find themselves tangled in the search for senior living and care. If you liked today's episode, don't forget to subscribe and check out our doable download in today's show notes for a printable summary of the show and a bonus tip. You're listening to our doable tips, short answers to your questions. Don't see your question listed? Send us a note. Then don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an answer. Hi, and welcome to the show. If you've been through the search for senior living and care, you most likely have said the words, and what exactly does that mean? Or what the heck is that? (laughs) I've worked in this industry so long that sometimes I forget that you, the family, likely don't know what certain words or phrases mean. And you've stopped me before and said those words. What are you talking about? (laughs) If you're a regular listener, you've heard me say that senior living is an industry and communities are companies. And this industry also has its own language. You may not know yet what I mean by a community. (laughs) So in this episode, we're going to talk through the terms you'll most likely hear on your journey through finding senior living and care. As I was writing this episode, I was trying to figure out the best way to present these terms. Alphabetically seemed a little boring. (laughs) So we are going to take a look at the terms through stories of families who have been through this process. But before we get started, I want to share an aha moment that I had while I was out to dinner at a going away party. This party included a lot of folks in the senior living industry, and I met someone who is currently a marketer. That's the tour guide in a community. And as he and I were talking about the importance of words and language in senior living, he said something that in all my years of working in the industry, No one had ever said to me, and I just hadn't put it together before. He said, senior living was started by nurses, and this is why the language is so clinical. Okay, well, he was close. (laughs) The first assisted living was started in Oregon by Dr. Karen Wilson. She is the founder of the concept as we know it today. But he was so right. It's no wonder that the terminology is so clinical. I really hadn't thought about the why before. Why do I call it an intake? Why do we call it an assessment? I imagine it made total sense for Dr. Wilson to continue with the use of healthcare terms at the time. But for families, most of whom have no experience in healthcare, the terms are foreign. 
and quite frankly, add a layer of stress on top of an already stressful time. Let's face it, you are most likely not looking for senior living or care or listening to a podcast about it unless you have to, which means you're also most likely dealing with a healthcare crisis at the same time that you're trying to figure out what the heck everybody's talking about. Okay, so let's start with the family I mentioned at the top of the show. They were trying so hard to care for their dad when they found me. They had been calling around to find a senior living community or adult family home. They really didn't know what they were looking for. They just recognized that they could no longer care for their dad. What I recognized was that they needed help and fast. So I mentioned home health care. They had never even heard of this. And of course, they asked me the next question, which was, what is it and does Medicare cover it? They also asked me about Medicare covering assisted living as well. This family was really concerned about finances, like I know many of you are. But let's start with what is home health care? There are actually several different services that you can get in your home. Home health care is for medically necessary care. There's also something called in-home care. This is not medical. This is someone who can help your mom or dad shower, for example. The other type of care that you could get would be a private duty caregiver. I've even worked with families who hired a neighbor or a friend who had no type of certification. So that's definitely an option. Now, Medicare and something called Medicaid both may pay for some in-home care in-home health care, private duty, and even family members. Okay, so let's talk assisted living and adult family homes. Assisted livings are buildings. They're also called facilities, but the industry is trying to change that term to communities. An assisted living community is where your loved one will have an apartment. These are usually not shared unless you wanted it to be shared. So in other words, I have had clients that were sisters and they decided to share an apartment in assisted living. I've even had mother and daughter. Their child had developmental disabilities and they wanted to stay living together because they had been their child's caregiver. So that's another situation where you might share. There are some communities where for cost savings, you might share a common bathroom and kitchenette area, but you would have your own space for sleeping and and setting your apartment up however you wanted it. These shared rooms are also usually the rooms if Medicaid is paying. And we're actually going to do a whole show on paying for senior living that includes Medicare and Medicaid in more depth. So you'll want to make sure that you subscribe so you don't miss that. Okay, so assisted living also provides care. And an assessment will determine your loved one's level of care and whether or not the community can provide the care. Some assisted living communities also have memory care, and these are either a separate floor, a completely separate building, and this is where the staff is trained specifically for dementia, including Alzheimer's. 
These are secure. So your loved one wouldn't be able to leave without a family member or a staff member. We actually have an episode specifically about the different types of dementias and how this affects your search for senior living and care, and I'll put a link to that in show notes. Adult family homes that are also called residential care or boarding homes, these are actually houses. So they're not buildings. These are just like your house. They're as different as your family members' houses are from each other. Some are very small with four to eight residents. Some are larger with up to 16 residents or more. They have a nurse that oversees the home, and some also do lighter care, and some can handle the higher levels of care. This setting also requires that assessment that I mentioned to determine if the adult family home can meet your loved one's care needs. Most states either don't have these types of homes at all, or they have very few of them. In Washington state, we have thousands. (laughs) Okay, on a side note and back to our story. Most likely, whether it's an adult family home or an assisted living or a memory care, no one is going to accept your loved one if they have advanced bed sores without the assistance of home health care. And there may even be some situations where they won't accept your loved one until those sores are healed. Okay, so we mentioned the assessment. (laughs) So let's talk about it. Everyone in every care setting is going to be doing an assessment, whether it's in-home care or assisted living. And this assessment is basically a nurse taking a look at your loved one's doctor's notes. They're going to be meeting with you and your loved one. And they're using this assessment to basically give a roadmap to your loved one's care. But they're also determining cost from this assessment and whether or not they can provide the care. This assessment becomes a care plan. And that plan is what a state healthcare inspector is going to be basically judging the community or the adult family home on. In other words, are they providing the care according to what the care plan states? Okay, so back to the assessment. If you are looking at different assisted living communities, then you are going to be subjected to many different assessments. So each community is going to have to do their own assessment. If you're interviewing different in-home care companies, they're going to each have to do their own assessment. If you've been through this, you know that can be a lot. You're answering the same questions over and over, and so is your loved one. Adult family homes are a little bit different. You'll usually pay for one assessment that's good for 30 days and covers any adult home that you choose. Of course, this only makes sense if you're in an area that has a lot of options. This family I was working with only interviewed one home health care company, and they decided an adult family home was the best fit for their dad, so they only went through two total assessments, and both of those took place in their dad's home. So these assessments can take place in the home, If your loved one's in skilled nursing, they'll go to them there. A hospital, they'll go there. Other times you might be taking your loved one to the community 
or the adult family home to have the assessment done there. When I was dealing with everything that went on with my dad, and some of you, if you're a regular listener, you know my story. If you're not a regular listener, just search the word cubs (laughs) and you'll get my story that will pop up and it'll make sense later. But when my dad was sick, I learned a whole lot about hospice and power of attorney. And if it weren't for my uncle, I would have had no idea what a power of attorney was. I wouldn't have known that I needed it. And it is something that you're going to be asked for a lot as you're researching senior living and care for your loved one. And there are a few different types of POA, power of attorney, from medical to financial. And it's basically a form that is notarized and it's your loved one giving you the power to communicate on their behalf, whether this is about financial matters or it's a medical decision. The POA also applies to that mountain of paperwork that comes with moving into a senior living community. This is where you can help your loved one fill that out. You can even sign the paperwork for them. My dad took a turn for the worse soon after we signed and had the paperwork notarized. And we were able to make decisions. One of those decisions was to bring in hospice. Hospice is end-of-life care. This is where a nurse visits and provides medication, which is known as comfort measures. So this includes pain medication. There are certain supplies that are provided. They offer grief counseling, which we found to be absolutely incredible in our experience. Hospice is provided in the home, and that includes where your loved one lives in assisted living or an adult family home. And there are also some places that specialize in hospice outside the home. With my dad, the hospital actually had a hospice wing, and that's where he was moved to. Hospice is not 24-7 care. It is a nurse that will visit depending on the situation, sometimes once a week, sometimes once a day. They can do some things like bathing. Outside of that, you may need other care if your loved one is not in an assisted living. You have to qualify for hospice. Your condition must be terminal. So this is why usually hospice is mentioned by a healthcare professional, such as your doctor. In our dad's case, it was his doctor that mentioned it to us. Or maybe it's talked about during a stay in skilled nursing. But you can also request a hospice referral at any time. So there are some things that a lot of families don't know about hospice. And I wish I knew, for example, that comfort measures implemented are why my dad never woke up again. Now, I'm not saying anyone did anything wrong. I only know that there were times that he was trying to communicate, but because the painkillers were so strong, he couldn't. And I just wish that we had known more about the input we could have had here. And maybe even my dad could have had some say as to how much pain medication he was given. 
I worked with another family whose dad was in a skilled nursing facility. This is also known as a SNF. It's a clinical facility with short-term rehab, so where you would recover from a surgery, and they also have very often long-term care, which is where someone might have really heavy care needs, and so they need to live in a more hospital-like setting. In this particular sniff, (laughs) their dad was there for short-term rehab, but he was refusing to eat. Now, he told me it was because he didn't like the food. I had not had the food, so I have no idea, but this is what he shared with me. And the sniff wanted to put in a feeding tube since he wasn't eating, but the family refused this. They did not want to do this. So then the sniff wanted to put him on hospice. And the family agreed to it, but they really didn't have any idea what that meant. They didn't realize that what it meant is that they were going to cancel the order for their dad's wheelchair that he had just been measured for. They had no idea that durable medical equipment or DMEs were not allowed on hospice. So this family actually decided against hospice and they opted for the wheelchair. They moved their dad to an adult family home with great food, and he made an amazing recovery, actually outliving their mom. This family could have opted for palliative care. That type of care has some overlap with hospice. The main difference is that it focuses on comfort while receiving treatment, and it does allow durable medical equipment. Okay, wow, that was a lot of information, and we didn't even talk about ADLs. (laughs) Okay, so if you don't know what an ADL is, that's an activity of daily living. These are things like showering or getting dressed in the morning. I wanted to give you terminology through story today because it's it's actually one of the reasons why I love our family talk episodes. I think it's easier to grasp some of the weight of all of these different terms through stories. If you haven't had an opportunity to listen to our family talk episodes, I hope that you will. Wherever you listen to the podcast, just search family talk and all the episodes will come up. And if you're listening right now and you're a family that has gone through this or you're going through this and you'd like to share your story to help other families, please reach out because we'd really love to have you on the show. Every family's experience is so different and I feel like we can learn so much from each other. They're different, but they're also the same. Everyone's just trying to find their way through the senior living industry through all this terminology. And hopefully, today's episode helped make your journey a little more doable. Today's episode is brought to you by ClearPath Senior Living Solutions. ClearPath helps families find assisted living, memory care, and other resources. Find our contact information in today's show notes. 
Check out this episode's doable download in show notes for details, including industry terms and definitions we discussed, as well as a bonus tip from our guest. Have questions or your own tips to share? Leave us a message. We'd love to hear from you. And until next time, make it doable. Thank you.